0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're getting a planting and crop progress update and we would love to hear from you. How are things going in your area? Are guys getting stuff done in the field? Uh, How far along are your crops? Those types of things. We'd love to hear about that. And of course, I know there have been some challenges in, in some areas with weather and uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit to start off the show. Just one of the challenges we had this weekend in our farm, we we had some frost. And here we are, it's almost June. And we just had one night that dipped down really low. And uh, I was just chatting with one of our neighbors and he said, you know, looked at the, looked at the uh, thermometer at about midnight and it was 36 degrees already and dropping. And I thought, uh-oh, we're in real trouble. It could get cold and stay there for a while. And it, it must have stayed there a little bit longer than I thought because it really warmed up in the morning pretty fast by nine o'clock. I think it was almost 50 degrees already, so it warmed up very quickly, but uh, the problem was it was cold enough in some of those low-lying areas that there are some issues. So it's just out in one of our fields uh, just in the last 20 minutes here and looking at some of that frost damage, we had some corn that was up. Uh, it was just about two-collar corn and Some of the plants, everything that's above ground is going to be gone. Some plants are just fine. And it's kind of interesting how that works out out in fields. Usually when you have a problem, it's not like every plant has the exact same degree of, of issue. But the root systems look good. Growing point's still good and green and ready to go. So I know what's going to happen. We've seen this before. We're, we're going to have some material slough off above ground and then new plant material is going to pop right up through that. And we aren't even going to notice it when we harvest in the fall. And it's tough looking at it now, but I, I know just from years of experience that we're not going to pay a yield penalty for that. Now, will we pay some yield penalty? Of course we'll pay some, but when you look at the hail charts, if you lost 100% of the above ground plant material, you're still looking at 99% yield. So, it's not a huge loss for you. But still, we we wouldn't want to see that and we're thankful that that not everything looks that way. Also, the other thing we had, 140 acres down on the, the lowest of the low for us and that was the first place that I drove Saturday morning thinking, okay, I got to see how we did down there because it was the last stuff we got planted. We got held out by some rains and it was literally the last ground to plant it on the farm for anything this year. And I went down there and sure enough, it was just about going to pop out of the ground, but hadn't poked its head out yet. And it looked at the corn just right across the road and that was showing showing some signs already that uh, things don't look good. So I felt pretty lucky in that case that even though I was kind of complaining, man, I wish we would have got that field planted. Man, we could have been out there earlier if we would have chose that field instead of a different one and done them in a different order. We would have had it all done, but it, it turned out to work in in our favor that we didn't get that done. Uh, looking at soybeans. So we had some soybeans just a half a mile away. Actually, closer than that. We had uh, corn that got frosted off and a hundred yards away we had some beans. Uh, And we had some that hadn't popped out of the ground, and of course they were safe. And then we had some that that were up and already in the unifoliate stage. They look fantastic. I mean, there's a stray plant here or there that maybe it wasn't even the frost, but they they look like maybe one leaf isn't perfect or something. But 99% of the field looks absolutely perfect. And I was thinking about this, and I was talking to a couple of our folks that work in our Ag PhD group and said, you know... A lot of soybeans are getting planted first now. And take a look at what frost did to the corn and what frost did to the soybeans at similar growth stages. And you can kind of see why some guys are like, you know, it it does have to get a little bit colder before it really hurts the beans than it does the corn. And we were the proof of that. Our weather station on the farm, you may be wondering, well, how cold is cold? Our weather station said we only got to 31. I don't know. That's not down on the very lowest ground we have. So perhaps it was a little bit colder down on that river bottom, but it wasn't as cold as it could have been, but it was still enough. And So it's just important just to be out there scouting fields. So I was talking to um, uh, another farmer this morning that said he was was actually just going to plant some soybeans today. And we got talking about that and I asked how planting was coming. He goes, well, I had before today all my soybeans in the ground and I just decided to switch a cornfield over to soybeans. But he said, I planted all soybeans first this year before I ever started planting corn. And he said, I got to this field, that was going to be corn, and it was going to be corn on corn, actually. And he said, unfortunately, they had had some wind damage last year, and they had some eardrop and stuff they couldn't get with the combine. He said the volunteer corn was just a little too challenging for him, and he, he thought maybe it would be up and sprouted if he just waited a little bit and planted that field last. But by the time he got there, he's like, you know what, there's a lot more corn that's going to come. I'm just going to go soybeans so I can try and control those things earlier. And speaking about weeds, uh, I'd make this comment too in regards to the frost damage that we had. Uh, There were dandelions and kochia out in the strip field that I was in and they did great. They survived the frost just perfectly of course and you know you think about weed control a lot of times after you get a frost like that you say give it a few days before you go back out there let things recover a little bit and in this case i'd say that's great advice so we're only getting into the 60s for a few days but then we're going to be up in the 70s and 80s coming up later in the week so it sure looks like you should have some good plant regrowth by that time and your plants will be able to take in that herbicide. And here's the challenge, you get out there and you spray on leaves that aren't taking in product, well you're just not going to be successful with your spray operation. You just don't want to have to do it twice. You don't want to spend the money to do it twice, but in many cases, more importantly, you don't want to spend the time to do it twice. So that's something to watch for, too, if you've got some spraying to get done. Uh, And again, here we're getting wind today, so in in this area, probably not going to be the the next thing that people are up to. But what are you going to be up to? And that's the purpose of our show today. We'd like to get a planting and crop progress update. If you've learned some lessons already this spring, you say, ah, I I figured out something that really worked well, or I figured out something that didn't work so well and I'm not going to do it again. We'd love to hear about that, too. Our phone lines are open at 844 44 AGPHD, And you can always email us radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back.
1: Take a second and listen. You hear that? That's the sound of your roots growing where they've never gone before. There are additional nutrients and water in your soil, hidden in tough to reach spaces. With MycoApply Endoprime, Hyphae attached to the root hairs to reach small areas inaccessible to big roots, even some that are tied up in the soil. Applied in furrow at planting, MycoApply Endoprime uses four, four unique species of mycorrhizal fungi to go where roots can't. Unlock the potential of your corn crop with MicroApply Endoprime, and by nurturing your soil today, you're helping to ensure future harvest will be just as bountiful. For more information, talk to your local retailer or visit valent.com endoprime. Always read and follow label instructions.
2: Hi, I'm Greg Sauter with 360 Yield Center. It's painful to pay high prices for nitrogen, even more painful to know that a chunk of the end will not be there when the plant needs it. The solution is 360 Y Drop. With 360 Y Drop, you apply right before the plant's rapid uptake cycle. You can adjust your rate, resupply lost nitrogen, or cut the rate if conditions are right. Learn more at 360YieldCenter.com.
1: It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today and our topic, well, we're getting a planting and crop progress update. We would love to include yours and hear how things are going in your area. If you'd like to give us a call, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com or occasionally the third option that We don't normally throw it as an option, but it is an option. You could call. You'll catch our call screener, who is my sister Janelle. And Janelle will put your question up for us. Even if you don't want to talk about it, just say, hey, ask your brother this or tell your brother this. She'll generally do that as well. Uh, So, again, 844-44-AG-PHD if you'd like to be part of the show. Uh, Start off down in Iowa. We've got Chris on with us right now. And a lot of times... Us farmers over in South Dakota say, man, those guys in Iowa got done way ahead of us, but I don't know if that's going to be the case this year. How are you doing, Chris?
3: Oh, not too bad. How's it going with you?
0: Pretty good. We've got everything in the ground, I was mentioning a little earlier, we got a little bit of frost damage on it over the weekend, but overall things look pretty good. How about in your area?
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's uh, still some planting going on. Uh, We stayed pretty cool early. We finished up last week uh, before that last rain hit, they were trying
0: to help a neighbor get done before it rains again tomorrow. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I love that about rural America. We a lot of times get to, hey, somebody else needs some help. Let's go help those guys out and and uh, help them get their harvest done or get their planting done as well. Uh, one of the questions that uh, I've got a, a guy out on the East Coast that said, hey, can you ask this during your show? Do you feel there are more corn acres or more soybean acres in your area compared to normal? What what did you guys actually get put in the ground?
3: Uh, I would say it's about the same, uh, but it's become more common uh, in recent years that people have started doing uh, their beans more ahead of their corns because they emerge slower and they feel like they can get started quicker. So I feel like we see a lot more of that. I don't think the overall amount of either one has changed, but I think people uh, – are more likely to get their beans than at least a little bit of them first. But I would say almost all the corn is planted around here, and people are kind of finishing up on beans now.
0: Okay, yeah, it does kind of throw things off when when people like looking and saying, "Wait a minute, they're planting beans already, and it's it's still April." But that's getting to be pretty common up in our area too.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's like I said, it's been a practice that we've seen a lot more of. Like they'll start like mid April planting beans. Like I said, just kind of weird just because you're not
0: used to it. All right, so crop that's popping up out of the ground, how do things look?
3: Uh, The corn that we got in early um, before we kept getting rained out all the time it looks really good. Uh, And it really, uh, we we finally got into some like 90 degree days for about three or four days, and that really helped it take off. So, I mean, um, everything that we got in first is looking great, and even the stuff after that is coming along now, but it's, it's, I think it's going to be good overall. All
0: right. How about the beans then? Because uh, for the guys who say, no, 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 we plant corn first and then we'll plant beans later on. Uh, what do your early planted beans look like? Uh, they look good.
3: They're coming up pretty well. Uh, we started corn and beans at the same time uh, just because we had the the people to do it and uh, it was getting a little late anyway, not super late for corn, but and it was a little early for beans, but they, they look good. They emerged well. Um, I mean, the rain helped for sure.
0: Now, one thing I do know about your area, you guys have had a lot of wind this year. How about the spraying? Have, have you been able to get most of the spraying done, getting your pre-emerge herbicides out, or have you had to change plans a couple times?
3: Oh uh, No, we, we kept our plans for the most part. Some of the cover uh, crops didn't get terminated as early as we like, but uh, but it wasn't so much of the wind, uh, it was more the cool temperatures that we couldn't get in as early as we wanted to. Um, and yeah, I mean, it is really windy here, but like, we, it, it's always kind of windy here, which is why they're always putting up new windmills and stuff. So, I mean, that's <laughs> something you kind of learn to work around. You just do a little more early in the morning and later at night.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, you're right. When you see the windmills, that's a pretty good sign that uh, you're kind of living in a wind tunnel here and... Uh, you're going to have to put up with that from time to time. You're right, though. We can we can vary when we're putting stuff out. And I know for us, we're doing more spray now late March. And there's even some guys that, that we hear about just, let's try and get a bunch of stuff out in the fall with some of the products that will last. And then if we can get back in the spring to add to it a little bit, they will. Otherwise... They, they just let her ride. Well, I can, I can hear you're busy. I'm glad you're helping out your neighbor, too, and glad the crop sounds sounds to be uh, getting off to a really good start. Chris, thank you so much. Really appreciate the update.
3: Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Let's
0: head over to Missouri. You got Gabe on with us right now. Gabe, how are things down there?
3: Well,
2: we finally got a rain after about oh, four, two weeks or better, and we were needing one.
0: Yeah, that's. It seems early, doesn't it? That man, we're already in in trouble in May. But, uh, but here we go. What What are things like out there? What does the crop look like? Is your crop getting off to a good start? Otherwise.
2: Oh uh, yeah, pretty good. We've got you know we had some March twenty first corn, and that's you know it's thigh high. It's fairly tall, I guess. But then we had some. We just planted. Uh, 10 days ago or less and it's just coming up I'm sitting in the field looking at it and uh, we've got beans planted and you know it was a late start for the most part but it, we had a good two and a half week run and, and we, we were fortunate for the rain.
0: All right now you mentioned corn and beans and uh, I'm required on this show to ask the question what's your area look like is there more corn than normal more beans than normal or is it about the same as you would have expected?
4: i would say
2: I would say there was a lot there was maybe a little more corn for sure, and there was a lot of corn planted first week of May a lot of people held out and planted that corn,
0: yeah. Yeah, we're hearing the same thing up here now, up in the Dakotas, especially North Dakota, they've really struggled getting in the field, they've been wet, and guys up there are saying, we're still going to plant corn, and uh, some guys are already throwing out dates, they're saying, we're going to plant till the 1st of June, or we're going to plant till the 5th of June, and that's saying a lot in North Dakota, because they're already planting some of the earliest corn that they can find, so they don't have a whole lot they can switch down to, but how about in Missouri, when you back off, like you mentioned March 21st, versus just 10 days ago, are you? planting a lot different maturity or you can plant anything still it's still going to make it
2: uh no we planted pretty much yes i mean i planted 118 day early 115 day the last day we planted and uh, uh we didn't change planting dates i mean we're still going with the same plan you know but uh sorry my little boy <laughs> but anyway it's uh the planting date it didn't you know it corn's Three inches tall and some 30 inches tall and 118 115 days with the price of corn the way it is we just decided to plant what we thought would be the best yielding
0: absolutely yeah. every bushel is going to be important okay so uh you've got your son with you how old is he
2: uh he's four Four right. and a half, I guess, if you, if you ask him.
0: <laughs> well, hey, those half years, they, they mean a lot at that age. No doubt about that. So what are you that, teaching a four and a half year old right now as you're out looking at your crops?
2: Well, uh, I'm still trying to tell him what which is corn and which is beans. And I promised him some Smarties if he would be quiet while I was on the phone. So uh, <laughs> really just trying to get him to be quiet.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know, and, it's... and to be honest
2: with you, I'm surprised he's listening as well as he has. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of stuff that's out there that you have to make sure you tell your dad about because he might not see it or might not know it. And there's certainly a lot of why questions, I would guess, at that age. Yeah.
2: Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, there's a plane flying your reel on some corn and he's, he's curious about that.
0: Oh yeah. That's, that's awesome. Well, Gabe, uh, thank you so much for being out. I really appreciate the update and, and yeah, tell your son he can have the smarties. I think that, I think he did well.
3: I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun having kids around and just seeing the excitement and just seeing what they're interested in and what they pick up on. Cause sometimes I, I know for myself, I have looked at crops so many times that I'm looking for different things and for, for, you know, a young person to say, Hey, what's going on over here? And to ask those questions, it, it gets you to look at it with new eyes. And, and that's, that's really fun. Alright, we are getting a planting and crop progress update on today's show. Would love to hear how things are going in your area and kind of what crop mix you've got in the ground too because this is going to be an interesting topic as we all start looking at making some of those marketing decisions too. So stay tuned, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio.
1: What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. More farmers are discovering the power of the Germinator. Greg from Iowa says, This year I was very impressed with the Germinator's performance in a variety of soils. More Germinator success stories at FarmShopMFG.com. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento Fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento Fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use.
5: House. what can we do for you? Yeah, I'm
1: looking for some
0: nitrogen. Alright, we're running low and it's awful pricey, but uh, let me check.
5: Hold. The answer
1: to low supply and high prices for nitrogen is Invita, a microbe with systemic nitrogen fixation. Invita works throughout the foliage and roots, providing a right place, right time source of nitrogen to maximize yield in corn, wheat, and soybeans. Yeah, we're all out, but... You know what? I'll take some of that Invita. <laughs> That's what I was going to recommend. Book your Invita while supplies last.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today and we are taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We're also taking your planting and crop progress updates. If you want to talk about how your crop is doing, if you want to brag about it, if it's great, that's awesome. If you want to cry a little bit because it's not good. Hey, we got uh, we got some frost damage on our farm. I can join you on <laughs> feeling a little bad about how, how things are looking today. It'll, it'll be good another week here. I'm, I'm confident of that. Uh, but also one of the fun things is talking about some of the new things that are out there and some of the research that's going on. And probably no area of agriculture is more exciting right now than what's happening with the biological, or as we like to call it, natural space. Real happy to have Nolan Berg with us with Azotic North America to talk just a little bit about that. Nolan, thanks for joining us.
5: Oh, a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All
0: right. Tell us just a little bit about, about yourself and about your company. What What's uh, Azotic up to?
5: Yeah, so uh, so I'm, I'm the president of Azotic North America. I've been working with the company for the last five years here. And uh, Azotic, uh, we, we started working on biologicals 20 years ago, actually started in the UK. And then we, we started bringing our nitrogen fixing products uh, to the United States, launched that in, uh, in 2019. And uh, so we're in year four right now and, and growing at a, at a breakneck pace. I think we're at about 300% growth every year. To, to your point, it's a, it's a pretty exciting uh, category right now.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, with uh, nitrogen price the way it is and tough to source in some parts of the country and uh, around the globe. That, there's a big need, no doubt about that, to to have another way to get more nitrogen into our plants. So talk to us about that space just a little bit because it is really exciting and we're getting a lot of farmers as they get to. Well, we just had Gabe down in Missouri and he said, I got thigh high corn and uh, I think about, wow, it's, it's not going to take long for ours to be knee high and we're going to be thinking about side dressing and getting more nitrogen out there
5: exactly it's uh, well the, the beauty of uh, products like Invita, uh that do uh, systemic nitrogen fixation is once you get once you get this nitrogen fixing uh, microbe in your crop it basically bridges the gap between what your crop needs and what it's getting out of out of nitrogen because you know you can be in a situation where you have plenty of nitrogen sitting in the soil but like as I've been listening to the program you got you know different people in different conditions and if your crop isn't in a in a good state to pull that nitrogen out of the soil even if it has plenty um you know you're not maxing out that that growth that yield potential at those critical uh, growth stages so you get this microbe like invita in there it's working from the inside out within the leaves within the roots and it's bridging that gap so whatever that crop needs uh like invita won't replace Uh, all your nitrogen, but it's going to top up the nitrogen exactly where it's needed and when it's needed to max out that yield.
0: It is something when, when you talk about these crop conditions and, and just field conditions. We've got guys that are experiencing extreme drought right now. We've got areas that are getting way too much moisture and their, their crop roots are not happy because all they've got is water and they've got no oxygen down in the soil. It, it can be really tough. So to have something already in the plant like that working for it to make sure the nutrient needs are met is really important. And I think that really plays yeah. into the whole sustainability message that I know is so important.
5: To- totally it 's uh well when you you know too wet, too dry, too hot, too cold, you never know what 's going to hit you right so um, the 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 best thing is when you have when you have that nitrogen fixing capability inside the plant, so you know if if it 's too wet you 're not losing nitrogen to leaching if it 's too dry you 're not worried about whether the plant has the ability to translocate uh, available nitrogen up into the plant there's nothing better than having nitrogen exactly when and where it's, where it's needed. And that's, that's where NVIDA comes in. On corn, we're seeing an, an average of, of eight bushel, uh, an acre increase uh, year over year. And if a crop's under stress, uh, again, whether it be too wet, too dry, uh, we'll see even higher than those averages
0: that is exciting and it certainly catches a lot of farmers attention that hey maybe I should consider this where do you see biologicals going as it relates to to adoption by by the mainstream farmer?
5: It's a great question because you know it wasn't so long ago biologicals were you know just things that were talked about on the sidelines and you know just something brand new and but certainly not mainstream ag but I would say over the last two years uh this This niche discussion is becoming uh mainstream um, you know, you know you start combining you know the macro trends that are around us where uh you know we got we got commodity prices uh finally starting to get to where we we want them at the same time we got fertilizer prices where we don't want them uh, <laughs> going going high as well and then that's you know that's if you can find the nitrogen you got you got uh, all the geopolitical instability going on around the world and making people wonder about you know uh, supply of uh, and demand of, of fertilizers and so on so anything like this that that puts the power and the control in a farmer's hand to take a you know better control of their of their nitrogen on their farm turn their crops into nitrogen fixing machines um that that's having more mainstream uh, uh, discussion going these days. Uh, we just finished some, some uh, market research uh, through Stratus uh, Agri-Marketing that was telling us that 60 60 to uh, 75% of Midwest growers are considering using a, a nitrogen-fixing biological on their farm. So it, it's going mainstream in a hurry.
0: Wow. That's, yeah, that's a big number. And you think about products like Invita that have been out there for a while and certainly from a company like Azotic that's been in this game for 20 years or more. A uh, lot of development, a lot of research and trial work has gone into this. Where do you see that pipeline now, Nolan? We're, we're excited and this might be the point of entry for a lot of farmers of, hey, if I can get some help on the nitrogen piece, that really pays off for me on my farm. What are going to be some of the next things that are coming that we should be looking forward to?
5: Yeah, for sure. It's uh, well. I think uh, you know, in biologicals right now, the the biggest the biggest uh, thing that farmers are looking for, as we are talking to them, is consistency. So you you basically have these live microbes that you know you're putting in a jug as a liquid, and and so it's not the same as using herbicides and so on that you know are are pretty stable in just about any condition so you have to be a you know you have to be a little more careful with them be more conscious of storing them making sure they don't freeze not getting too hot these type of things so that the next step is really to to go to uh, dry uh, dry formulations and seed treatments where essentially these microbes are freeze-dried um, on you know into a dry powder or freeze dried and put onto a seed so that you don't have to worry about you know the the storage conditions you can just treat it like uh you know any other uh, bag of seed so that's where it's going is is uh, as it goes mainstream it needs to be simpler it needs to fit fit the farm as opposed to farmers trying to fit into a new you know a, a new way of doing things so that's what you can see uh, coming up is uh, more simplicity i think
0: yeah, simplicity is good, and and you're right. When we're handling living things, that's that's a lot different, and uh, it, it's also what makes this really exciting. When we're we're talking about. Uh, products that farmers can use like Invita to try to help with nitri- the nitrogen needs of your plants. Uh, if you can get living microbes to do that, it's not only sustainable, but it's certainly economical in the environment that we're in today. We're so fortunate to have Nolan Berg with us. He's the president of Exotic North America to talk a little bit about this. Nolan, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on.
5: Thank you as well and, and good luck to everyone as uh, as the season continues.
0: I thought it was very interesting here too, one of the comments that Nolan had made. Uh, that 60 to 75% of Midwest farmers are going to try products like this. And when you think about, well, which ones am I going to try? Certainly looking for companies that we can trust and companies that have been in business for a long time. Uh, that, that's a good way to go. Uh, and, of course, uh, Nolan works with Exotic North America that many of you have probably already heard of, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of you listening have, have heard of Invita. That product has been out there for a while. And when you think about our nitrogen needs of our corn crop this year, that is going to be a big, big thing in terms of our profitability. Uh, so we're getting a planting and crop progress update. If you'd like to talk about how things are going on your farm or how your crops look on your farm and your area, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a
3: fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your
1: dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall whether or not relentless control is what you get with anthem max herbicide from fmc protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance with an easy to tank mix formulation and wide application window anthem max herbicide is ready when you are visit your fmc retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more always read and follow all label directions
0: Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free AgPhD Field Day
1: in a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say, Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still don't it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say, Veltima fungicide, swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions.
0: You're listening to Ag PhD Radio broadcasting from the Morton studio. Today we're getting a planting and crop progress update and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And I don't know if Scott was listening earlier when I was whining and complaining that we got just a little bit of frost here, but uh, Scott uh, up in Montana is on next. Scott, I'm sorry if I offended anybody that I was saying 31 degrees was just too cold here. I'm sure in Montana you've had much colder.
6: (laughs) Well, I wasn't listening earlier, Darren, but uh, we we had a frost, too. We actually got down to 24 degrees yesterday morning, and uh, we noticed some yellowing in the crops a little bit. It certainly certainly didn't help anything, but hopefully they'll turn around and come out of it.
0: You know, when you think about that, um, which crops took it the worst? Did everything take it hard, or are there some that just kept plowing right through it?
6: um i could see it in our alfalfa uh, i noticed it in our lentils a little bit the peas didn't seem to bother them uh the winter wheat sure turned yellow um and of course it's starting to get to that joint where the joint's coming out of the ground so hopefully it's okay that that could be a concern because we were very close to you know that to that stage in the wheat
0: yes so
6: that that could be a concern
0: well, the guys down in Kentucky, I think it was last year, had that similar thing that they just got at that sensitive time and boom, they got a little nip of frost and, and it, it hurt them. So I know what you mean. There's there's a, a point in time where it, it wouldn't have been so bad if it was a week sooner, but ho- hopefully you weren't quite there yet.
6: I hope so. I, I kind of we the Neighbors have been talking about it today. We were wondering what's going on and I'm pretty sure the frost did some yellowing, but hopefully it'll come out of it. Yep.
0: How about your moisture situation, are you guys catching any rains?
6: We're catching a little bit. We had a couple blizzards in April that uh, blew a lot of snow. We had snow, and I think, you know, we got an inch of moisture out of those couple blizzards. And then we had a inch of rain here 2 weeks ago, and that's about all the moisture we've had, but really we're pretty happy to even have that cuz last year we didn't hardly get anything. So we we're we we're growing some stuff. It's kind of green looking. So we're getting a little moisture, but uh, we're like four days away from another drought. So we need some more. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that.
0: How about pasture ground right now? Is there good grass growth this year?
6: There is, there is. We were actually kind of walking through some moves of cows through some this morning, and uh, it's it's got some nice growth, and it certainly looks promising. Like I said last year, it didn't take long to move cows because they weren't stopping to graze much because there wasn't anything there. But <laughs> it's. Uh, it's looking better. Yeah, You're yeah, got some hope.
0: Well, and that was one of the things too. And I, I know that some of our listeners are like, "What? You had blizzards in April there too?" And uh, that's that's actually not a bad thing because that moisture, if you get some grass out there, that will catch a little bit of it. That can really help things out in the pasture.
6: Oh, you bet, you bet. Um, unfortunately, the the wind blew so bad it blew a lot of it off in the in the coolies. But uh, nevertheless, we got some moisture, and it was people were very happy. Um, delayed our planting a little bit, but uh, I'm not going to complain. We we just got down here last week with everything, and I know there's people where you're living and elsewhere that hasn't even got started yet, so or just got started, so um, I, I'm not going to complain about the moisture delay in our planting start.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. Yeah. We'll take it too. We we've come out of a couple of years of drought on our farm and yep, we had some rain that slowed down planting, but that's okay. <laughs> we're, we're happy to have that versus last year, the dust. Well, even earlier this spring, the dust storm before we started getting some of that moisture, that was, that was a big deal. Hey, one last question on the cattle for you. And I don't know if you had any questions or anything you wanted to talk about, but I was just thinking about it. How many acres does it take per cow in your part of Montana on an average year and I know when you get drought, uh, like you said, they can walk over a lot of acres and not see a piece of grass to eat but w- what would you normally figure?
6: Um, for the full year, somewhere between 30 and 40 acres per cow is kind of what we always figure. Yep. Um, some people try to get by on 20 um, but they better have a lot of hay stockpiled and um, some really good improved pastures but We've we've always come to that thirty to forty acres per cow range out here.
0: Yeah, it's not the easiest place to farm, and the rain sometimes is few and far between. But glad to hear you've gotten a little bit of moisture. Hope that keeps up for you, Scott. So so this year can be a big one for you.
6: How about in your part of the world? Are you guys getting planted? I know that there's a lot of lays. Yeah, know about we you guys.
0: we got planted. Our our farm's all in, and uh, almost everything is up except the last uh, quarter section or so that we planted. So pretty happy with how stuff looks. It's it's early, and we're going to need some more moisture along the way. But we're doing okay for right now, so I can't can't complain at all. And guys, oh, guys for the most part, have gotten it done. There's still planting going around. Uh, I mean, some of the spotty showers, some guys caught, you know, a lot more than others. So, so some of the guys aren't done, but uh, but we're moving. This week, I'll clean up a lot of it in our area. Well, that's good. Awesome. Well, good talking to All you, right. Scott. Really appreciate it and, and uh, wish you the best here the rest of the spring.
6: Well, thank you. I really enjoyed listening to your show. Good oh. luck, you
0: guys. Oh, you bet. Thank you. Uh, let's head over to Virginia. Uh, probably a little different environment than what Scott's been facing. We've got Cameron on with us. How are you doing, Cameron?
4: Doing great. How are you today?
0: Pretty good. Pretty good. How are things in your area? You guys dry too over there?
4: No, sir. We just got rained out. I was planting beans on a river and just got rained out. So time to talk to
0: you. Sure. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So, uh, what your crop that's in and up, how does that look? Oh, sorry, Cameron. I think we cut out there for a second. Your crop uh, that's been in the ground for a while, how's that looking?
4: The corn's doing great. Um, We're about at, I don't know, V4, V5, and uh, looking real good. We had averaging about half an inch to an inch a week, so it's been a good amount, not too much, not too little, and getting some rain this week, and got a couple hundred acres of beans to finish up, and we'll be done with beans and start side-dressing corn, so everything's going great.
0: Excellent. We were talking about the nitrogen thing a little bit earlier, and it's it's come down slightly in price in our area. How about out there? Are you Did you have your end pre-bought, or are you buying some as you go here?
4: I bought most of it um, early, and so we're holding on to what we got, and hopefully the side dress, I've got enough to liquid to put on the corn. Um, prices were definitely high this spring, that's yeah, for sure. No oof. doubt about that.
0: When you guys side dress, are you doing wide drop or do you incorporate or how do you do your side dress?
4: We do wide drops. You just yeah. dribbling on top of the ground and with the wide drops and uh, using 30%, about 20 gallons an acre for 60 units.
0: Sure. Sure yeah there's a lot of difference in how people put out in and a lot of it comes down to equipment so yeah if you're set up where you can do the wide dropping that's a pretty sweet uh system and you know the the other thing that about this time we got v4 v5 corn are you spraying for weeds at this point or or what's going on in the fields
4: we're just now getting um going over for the first time spraying uh some weed outbreaks we got a little bit of johnson grass coming and um Some pigweed, not too bad, but got a little bit that needs to be hit. some mare's tail. But for the most part, we got a good burn down initially, and everything was holding pretty good. So just have a few areas to touch up
0: yep we've got some tail, and uh, our pigweed will be coming i'm sure of that i don't care what kind of year it is it seems to always be a good year for pigweed but how about the johnson grass what's working on that for you guys is there anything you say oh man if i use this herbicide i do 100 percent on it or is it as much of a challenge for you as it is for the guys down in the delta
4: um we have been able to control it over the past i don't know 15 20 years with roundup and you can never get rid of it seed and the rhizomes are there so we just try to control it and get it manageable and do the best we can with uh roundup and this year we might use some cleftabins so uh see how that works on the johnson grass but for the most part roundup will pretty much burn it back and we have yet to find any resistant johnson grass so hopefully a few fingers crossed that that won't happen
0: yeah yeah that's for sure no doubt about it well that is one tough weed and uh, it sounds like you got a lot of stuff going on out there, so really glad that, that things are starting out well for you, and uh, hopefully that continues. Cameron, really appreciate talking to you today. Well, sir, I appreciate it,
4: and good luck to you all, and hope everything goes
0: well. You bet. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Now, where Cameron's at, of course, they get warm out there, and he said a half inch to an inch a week works just fine for them for moisture right now. Man, we could sure use that at some points in the year out here, too. Hopefully we catch a little bit of that, too. Uh, We'll continue to get planting and crop progress updates and also dig into the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next.
2: The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit
1: MortonBuildings.com.
0: At AgPHD, we want to support anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy. That's why we're devoting a full day Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. In-field sessions include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees, so this is one event that you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com.
1: This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast.
3: Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight.
1: Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact Emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground.
0: Come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Oh, man, it is it is a fun time. We've got some crop out of the ground, and, and things are starting to happen in the fields. And, you know, when that happens, uh, there's there's just so many things that, that we're looking at. So scouting insects and alfalfa, I think every Alfalfa producer that I've talked to has said, you know what, I'm going to have to spray for alfalfa weevil larvae. That's been a challenge. Uh, When we look at corn, I know there's been a lot of concern about rootworms. Everybody's kind of just waiting to see, well, when are the rootworms going to start hatching? And that's going to be coming up pretty soon here. And at that point, or do some rootworm digs and see what's going on. We've got all the, the different leaf stages that you're seeing above ground and trying to get herbicides applied and fungicides and all these things to protect that crop. Uh, it's just for me, it's it's just an exciting time of year. And there's also a lot of questions that happen to come up. And so we'll dive into the Ag PhD mailbag here. Uh, I get this one from JD uh, who says, do the Estes XRP2 concaves live up to all the advertised claims. Well, thanks, JD. We uh, we definitely have been using Estes concaves now for a while. We had a demonstration, and I think it was the year before the pandemic got started at our Ag PhD field day, and we actually ran a combine with and without Estes concaves in. And just looking at that grain quality and the difference, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, I I think they're the best concaves we've ever seen on our farm. So we've been really happy. I know there've been guys that we work with that have said my speed of harvest is much faster. Uh, I I just look at how the quality of that grain and and I get it. You know, going a little faster is a good thing too. But to me, if I've got just great quality grain and it just does an awesome job, uh, I like it. So yeah, I would I'd highly recommend them. That's been been a good return on investment, at least for our farm. And uh, I know for, for lots of other farmers, they would tell you the same thing. Hey, thanks. Really appreciate that. All right. Had some soil tests come in and this one's always interesting when I'm, when I'm by myself here without Brian here to kind of go back and forth on these things, but, uh, but I'll give it a shot here. This one comes in from Peter and he said he's down in Southeast Australia, and he said, we've got heavy clay soils and we're flood irrigating. We've got high quality and quantity of water to flood irrigate. We've got good access to composted cattle manure from a nearby feedlot. Uh, just want to know what your ideas are in terms of priorities of what you would do and and what your plan of attack would be to improve our soils and increase our pasture production. And um, I was a little unclear when you guys talked earlier about this, about, calcium uh, and targeting that with lime and uh, sulfur if where we're at with sulfur we should maybe go gypsum that kind of get both of those things yeah that's that's always good questions to to see where to go so looking at soil samples is really good and first of all pulling soil samples is really important the other thing that I'd mention as before I forget in terms of your composted cattle manure and your flood irrigation water I definitely would pull samples on those so you could see what you're talking about with those as well. You say you've got high quality water, which is great, but what exactly is that? What's in that water? What's the pH? Uh, what nutrients are in there and so forth? Because as you're putting thousands and thousands of gallons per acre out there, you're also putting uh, lots of pounds of whatever is in that water in terms of calcium or other nutrients. So good to keep that one in mind as well. Your soil tests are a little different format than than what we're working with here, but uh, you know, just looking through, you see uh, all the different nutrients and extractable potassium. Oh boy, this is interesting. You know, it's, it's a little bit challenging to see where those are at. The P and K numbers look to be a little bit low. And for, for me, I guess what I would say starting off our, our program, I, I would look at you know with with that composted cattle manure, I'd love to see a sample of that. And that might be the first step before I can make a great recommendation for you just to see what you've got for fertility products that that you could use. You know when you think about um, your nitrogen levels, they're fairly low. And I, I would assume going into the season, that's where you want to start. Phosphorus levels uh, seem to be okay. Potassium for us, gosh, we, we like to be a lot higher than that on potassium. Sulfur we like to be higher too. So those would be spots I would look at improvement on. Uh, with your pH, you're right in the optimum range, so I like that a lot. Uh, when you look at the micronutrient extraction, one thing I would say, you're using the DTPA extraction method, or your lab is using DTPA And we find that to be okay, except for on manganese. And like your manganese is reading around three parts per million. I don't know if that's super accurate or not, because your iron's at 125. And I'd love to see a malic extraction on that manganese just to see what's out there. Um, Zinc is you know, probably just a little bit low for where you're at with your phosphorus. We often like to see a 10 to 1 ratio, so we'd probably be trying to build that zinc up too, and then your copper is low. So for sure I know you need zinc and copper. I'd like to see a malic extraction method before I'd make any recommendation on that manganese. But at this point, I would say zinc and copper can can be raised potassium could be raised phosphorus you'll certainly have to put out at least what the crops are moving each year uh, I'd, I'd like to see that a little bit higher personally I'd like to see it uh, twice as high if you could but uh, it's not necessary to get an average yield level I think you've got plenty for that so yeah you've got definitely some nitrogen and potassium and sulfur to get out there of the macros phosphorus, I would certainly put on whatever crop removal is going to be, and then I'd attack the micronutrients, copper and zinc. Now, uh, the one thing that I would say with those micros, because a lot of times people say, well, my budget's spent before I get the NPK sulfur stuff done. Make sure you save a little in your budget for those micros. Zinc is really important, especially for water utilization in the plant. So I, I don't want to see those micros get completely forgotten. I would certainly try to look at those. And in terms of calcium, I don't know what the, I don't see a total parts per million. I see an extractable number and I haven't seen it um, put that way in a soil test before. So I'm not exactly sure how to how to read that as far as your calcium goes. So I, I'm really missing the base saturation test. That would be very helpful to to really fully understand that calcium question. So yeah, I don't know on your calcium question. I can certainly say your sulfur is definitely in need of of addition. And yeah, I, I'd like to see a little different measurement. If you could do a malic extraction with a base saturation for the the primary cations, that would, be, that would be fantastic. That would allow me to make some more recommendations for you. And then also if you can give samples on that water quality and the compost, uh, those would be useful as well. Hey, thanks for the questions, Peter. I know you'll have some follow-ups, uh, so do a little homework, see if you can get us that information too. Uh, I had a comment that came in and I thought this was kind of interesting too. This one is from Elisa who says, my lawn is comprised of creeping Charlie, wild strawberries, clover, lots of other stuff and some grass. Uh, And I like having a diverse lawn. I like that it helps the pollinators out and uh, is good for the ecosystem. Hey, you know what? That's awesome, Elisa. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, that's a cool thing about having your own property. You can kind of decide how you want to do things and nobody's going to tell you what to do on there. So that's, that's neat. And I like your way of looking at things that, Hey, here's what my goal is. Here's what I'm trying to get. And, and that's what I'm going to do. So, yep, no problem. I, that's awesome. I like having the opposite of just this awesome uh, beautiful green grass and nothing else out in it. And part of my reason for that is I've got a kid that's deathly scared of bees. And so like our garden, we put way to the far extreme of our, our lawn so he doesn't have to deal with the pollinators and stuff being up where he wants to be out playing in the grass. And so you know everybody's got different needs and, and different goals and objectives. And uh, that that's cool that you've got a reason for doing things the way you do. Hey, thanks. Really appreciate that. Um, got a question. This one come in from Lola who says, what are you guys thought on hemp production? I I think, you know what, there are a lot of different crops that you can raise to, to make money. If that's one in your area that, that you can make some profit on and it's legal to grow in your area. I think it's awesome. I love growing different crops and don't know enough about that one as, as we have not grown that one on our farm before, but, um, Yeah, there's certainly a lot of folks out there looking for ways to maximize production on each crop. The cool thing I'd say with hemp would be the same thing that I'd say with almost any crop. Good soil fertility can really help you out. So if you're growing it in soil, uh, I think a lot of the lessons that we talk about in terms of uh, balancing your soil out and getting nutrients all in good supply really play into raising good production on hemp or any other crop. Hey, thanks for the feedback, Lola. Really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening today. Please join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.